0: Okay. <clears throat> Hello, Arlond. Hi, uh, hey, Julian. <laughs> uh, I mean, we talk every day, but I thought it would be fun to you know, have this conversation with you.
1: About
0: mm-hmm. happiness, since you're soon turning 30 years old.
1: Yeah, it feels quite strange to be on this side. Um, every time I ask people to interview them, they tell me, oh, but I don't know what to say and I don't know how to answer their questions. And I'm just like, no, but this is fine. Just be chill. It's a normal conversation. But then now when I have to be on the other side, I also feel like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> I do need to find some good answers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know it can be tough. Um, so let's start with that. Like, what brought you into the topic of happiness? Why did you start to study happiness?
1: I think it really started when COVID started <laughs> and there was so much more um, anxiety in the news and fear of the unknown. And yeah, there was just nothing really in my life that I was like, oh, wow, I have this like short sure thing that I can just focus on and feel positive and good about. So I just started to think, okay, I need to find ways to just go through this and be a little happier. Uh, So that's how it started. And yeah, the happiness newsletter started from that as a way of just having one thing sent out every week that wouldn't be bad news or uncertain news or anything like this. That would be something small um, that, that doesn't add anything to anybody's schedule. Because if you send out like new articles or even advices or tips it can be quite a lot to process or to think oh i need to do this and i need to do that um so i just started with really the quotes on hey let's think again about happiness and let's not just think about success and being successful but also okay what can i do a bit every day either to just survive that tough time or try to yeah. be a little bit happy
0: yeah i assume that a lot of people were like doom scrolling and i'm just hearing about coding spreading everywhere and that you know trying to have something that is the opposite of that and like capture Also the good things. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I think it's not the first time that news are, you know, bad and (laughs) that it makes us anxious or um, things like that. But I think it was one of the first time that almost everybody at the same time in the world had to kind of pause and slow down. So then we were, I think for myself, at least I was not really reading so much the news before because I didn't really need to. But then with COVID, there was always new regulations that you needed to follow or... It just felt like you had to read more and we had more time to read it as well. Um, So I think that's why for me, even though it wasn't the first time that news were bad or, you know, the world is uncertain. It was the first time that I think so many people at once were in this moment of just uh, paying more attention to it, letting it impact us also maybe even more than uh, than we usually do.
0: So where do you take inspiration from to the happiness letter? Like what is your main source of inspiration?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Well, when it started, I just literally Googled quotes on happiness. And then I just select the ones that either resonate with me or that I think are provoking some thoughts around happiness. Maybe I don't necessarily agree with what they mean, but I think they bring forward an interesting point. Uh, So definitely just, you know, scrolling the Internet every time I read um, nonfiction or fiction books. Not necessarily around the topics of happiness, but if they have one mention on happiness that I also think is valuable, I'll also add this. Um, Otherwise, I think, you know, the same concept that we say, uh, visualization, or if you imagine what you want to do in life, then it's going to be easier to get it. Now, because I have this newsletter on happiness and it's my focus, every time I hear about things or if I read Mm -hmm. anything, I will be searching for information on happiness, which I didn't necessarily do before it's like if you're searching for a job i don't know anywhere you're going to be searching oh are they posting about this are they posting about that
0: yeah, yeah yeah. it's like this game you play when you say look for a yellow car and then you see yellow cars everywhere
1: exactly exactly so definitely i didn't necessarily notice resources on happiness before but now either i search for them or generally i'm just more aware of those resources so i wouldn't say that right now i have any yeah, specific source, uh, except the internet, I guess. Um, It's just kind of whatever I come across that I think is interesting.
0: So um, I wanted also to ask you the question that you ask uh, all of your interviews, uh, (laughs) what do you call interviewees? Interviewees, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you consider yourself a happy person?
1: Um, Not really. (laughs) I think a lot of people do. And I think, or more recently, I think a lot of people do, and especially people who either see me at work or especially see me doing any sort of presentations, workshop teaching, because then I do think it's part of the experience of the teaching or sharing to also be not necessarily happy, but have this like energy for the group. And people usually associate this with happiness. (laughs) So I would say I'm definitely happier than I used to be just because I notice things more and I'm more aware of what it is that makes me happy What can I be grateful for? These kind of things. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a happy person. For me, being a happy person, I would define that as I have maybe like 80% of my time or 80% of my days out of one year that I'm truly happy. Or, Or it would be that I'm happy kind of all the time, except if something kind of really sad happens. I think it's normal to sometimes be sad or upset, but it should be linked to something that's happening. Mm. Um, So that's how I would consider myself a happy person.
0: So do you think you more uh, put on like different shoes and walk into a different role when you're presenting or talking in front of people that is the happy person, but that's not necessarily you. That's more like a role that you take.
1: Mm, I don't think so. I do think it's still me and I think I much more than in the past, I'm very authentic and very transparent, either mm. with the yeah, the students that I teach or even all the conversations generally that I have now, whether it's i don't know just an interview mm. or a meeting uh, but I would say that it's just the way that I have evolved. I used to be super mm. shy and hate doing presentations because I was so unused to it and also mm. afraid of saying something wrong and people will laugh or I don't know something like this, but now I have done it so many times, and the f- the positive parts of it really overtake all the scary parts of it. So all the sharing that I can do um, overcomes Mm. the fear of like, oh, am I going to say something wrong? Or how are people going to judge me? Um, So I would say I am truly myself in those meetings. What is not necessarily natural is the whole energy. Uh, Mm. Some days I have to be in front of a lot of people and I don't (laughs) necessarily feel like, oh, I have so much energy and I'm not in a super positive mood. But I will turn on this energy and positive mood for this one, two, three, four, six hours.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, what brings you the most joy from sharing Uh, when you share content or when you present or what is the like, uh, what is the spark for you?
1: So for me, definitely the spark is not even when I share is when the people share back and when they understand something. So all all the moments, if it's just like me sharing or me talking is not that interesting or at least not to me, but mm-hmm. when I see that it makes someone else understand something about themselves or about life or anything, that they feel like, oh yeah, now I get it, or that they also feel that they can share back about their own story or their own ways of seeing things, then I feel like, oh, I have been useful. Because if I just share information and you know, it doesn't resonate with them, then this doesn't make me happy. <laughs> no. But if it does, then I feel like, all right. Today I contributed to something that maybe is going to make their life better, and that makes me happy.
0: I see. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, turning thirty years old,
1: um, yeah, and being uh,
0: a happier self. Um, how does it feel to turn thirty?
1: Um, it's been really. Uh, I don't know if I can say roller coaster because it feels like there's only downs and not ups. from it. So maybe not a roller coaster. Um, yeah, I think it's really. It's really tough for me in many ways. Not because I feel so much pressure on like I should be somewhere in my life that like society or people expect me to be. But I don't know. It's just it feels like it's the end of an era and the start of a new era. But it feels like I'm not ready to go in that new era. So definitely so the focus. Does,
0: what does the end of a of an era mean? Like what is ending?
1: Well, my 20th decade.
0: <laughs> yes, but does it mean uh, uh, some parts of you or like uh, some activities that you would do? Or...
1: Not really. I think in my twenties, my focus was kind of being su- successful by the standards that I had set. And that's, it's not that it's easy to accomplish, but it's like, okay, you have this goal and dang, 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 I can do this, 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 this this to achieve this goal. And if I work hard, I will make it happen. That's not a problem. And I think now that I'm a bit older, the focus is not so much on being su- successful and completing goals. It's a lot more on being happy and also deal with things that are not as easy as just a check mark <laughs> and a goal yeah. to complete. So I think that's also why it's a lot more uh, unsettling, even though I do feel much better, I think, than in my Um uh, But I think the road was easier, <laughs> even though I didn't realize it whatsoever when I was 20. <laughs>
0: Uh, I see this a lot in society. Why is it so hard for us to set our own goals and to uh, understand what we want?
1: I think first because we've never been asked the question. Um, I never asked myself, how can I be happy in life? Mm. Or what should I do to be happy? Um, It was never a question. And, you know, we always ask this question of, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or, you know, what are your interests? What are your passions? Things like that. And I think that's You know, that's great. Those are important questions. And I do understand this idea of, oh, you can't just focus on being happy and nothing in life is easy and you can't just, you know, be happy. But I think just the fact that nobody asks us this question and it's not really a question in society, you know, then we don't focus on it. And Mm. if when you grow up, you just get focused on I succeed like this, I get praised or people celebrate this success. We all just want to be loved. So you're just going to go for whatever people are like clapping for you or you're like, oh, I'm proud of you. If you say I'm happy, are people going to celebrate you and tell you I'm so proud of you? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. But if you say, I don't know, that you have achieved this award or you got this job or I don't know, you get married or you have kids or all this kind of stuff, you're going to be like, oh, congratulations.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really a good point that you're hitting on that. We don't actually get asked the question. What makes you happy, or how are you gonna become happy? Uh, so yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's a valid point.
1: And it's want, it's a much yeah, harder uh, question to answer because if you say, you know, what even what do you want in life or things like that, you can always say, oh, I want to be this kind of do this kind of job or I want to you know earn this much money. But if yeah. you say like, oh, you know, would you want to be happy or are you happy? It's a lot harder to define goals around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this, uh, experiment that was done that I read about in a book where they asked people, okay, um, you know, do you want to be happy? Yes or no? Or do you want to be rich? Or do you want to have a fancy job or this and that? And a lot of the time people preferred to get money or a fancy job, or I don't know, finding the love of their life, things like that over being happy. Because then they felt, oh, if I have all those other things, a good job, money, love of my life, mm-hmm. I will by default get happy. And those are tangible things. I will know I have this good job. I will have this love feeling and, you know, all this. But if you're like, hey, do you want to be happy? It feels like a fake promise. You know, like you can't think in your head about this as a goal.
0: Yeah, it seems like a hard concept to grasp for some reason. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, what makes you happy then? If we come back to the core. (laughs)
1: Um, A lot of small things now make me happy. I shared actually with my students the other day, they were also asking this question. So what does make you happy? And I told them I have, there was, how is it in English? Toe floor, uh, like sleepers. Sleepers at the house that actually got offered by uh, Marco, your brother. And I just have the best feeling when I just wake up in the morning and I have those sleepers next to the bed. And I feel like in every fancy movie, you have this person maybe that will, that are in this like fancy hotel or in this fancy home and they wake up and they wear this like nice sort of like wardrobe. (laughs) And when they get up from their bed, they just put on their sleepers and they go around their their house with this like sleepers and and wardrobe. And for me, it just gives me a sense of comfiness of not really luxury. I don't know if you can say that, but (laughs) more just than cozy, it just makes Mm -hmm. me feel good. And it's a proof that like, okay, you know, I have, not just a place to live, but it means I also have time in the morning to just think about I'm putting on my sleepers. Yeah. So just having this thought on like when I got this as a gift and I just have this image again in my head of those people in movies doing this. So that's just a small thing that every day I try to think about when I wake up. I'm like, hey, this, this simple thing just makes me happy.
0: Do you think happiness is something that you have to practice every day or is it something that comes to you?
1: I think for some people, it definitely comes more naturally, um, either by kind of the context that they live in or their own personality. But I don't think you can just uh, be happy with no choice. I do think even people have like a personality that are maybe easygoing or, you know, an environment that is super fun and loving. Mm. Nobody goes through life with, you know, nothing sad, nothing upsetting. So I do think it's... Somewhat of a choice and definitely a practice. Um, yeah, as I was saying so earlier, I'm definitely a happier person. Maybe it doesn't show on the outside, but definitely me on the inside, I can feel the difference from before.
0: So what are the habits that you can practice every day to, you think, to uh, you know, have a higher probability of being happy or a higher uh, potential to be happy?
1: I think... The first part is really understanding what you as a person uh, enjoys. So for me, when I read the book, Quiet, that explained introversion, I just feel like, oh, my God, this is exactly me. And it's normal that I don't necessarily want to see people all the time or be at big parties, even though I love talking to people. So I think really the first step is understanding, Okay, it's not just that I love people or I don't love people. It's, mm. I love talking to people to a certain context and this makes me happy. Seeing people in another context is just very draining. <laughs> mm. So I think the first habit is really kind of trying things out and reading, listening, you know, to things that make you understand yourself better is really a great first step. So
0: understanding think, your core values perhaps?
1: Not necessarily your values, uh, but just what you enjoy and what what brings you energy, what brings you happiness, and what mm-hmm. tends to deplete it without judgment of, oh, this should bring me, I don't know, calm or happiness or joy. Um, some people will love, I don't know, taking a bath and feel super calm after that. Some mm-hmm. people maybe are gonna freak out and feel super lonely or super anxious doing that. So I think there's not one thing that is like, oh, you should do this and you will feel happy or calm or anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this I would be is the first step. Then I think the second tips which i think is the number one skill of the next (laughs) maybe century is having strong boundaries and limit the amount of things that we make our brain process Mm. whether it's news or social media or having meetings or the amount of people that we you know interact with or the number of projects we work on now there's just so many things And I'm sure our brain will, you know, maybe evolve in some super ways to process it faster. But I I think just taking some time to be like, we can't read all the information that's on the internet. We can't read every single book. We can't listen to every podcast. And that's, (laughs) that's okay. Um, You know, it's better to just focus on a few things and, and that's it. Just to still have some time to, I guess, do things also in real life and things Mm -hmm. that, matter and not always being like i need to learn these new things or i need to improve that or uh, always learn yeah about the next next thing
0: what if you find happiness in learning
1: well i think you know it's maybe it's going to be a bit of a i don't know strange metaphor or or weird metaphor to make but it's like if you love food you should still not be eating food the entire day Mm. then it's not enjoyable it's not healthy for you your body can't process that much and I think it's exactly the same with knowledge. Uh, I also love learning new things, but I also know that to have kind of ideas around this knowledge, I can't just be, you know, sitting 20 hours a day, <laughs> watching documentaries or reading articles. So yeah. I do think it's super important to keep learning and keep being curious. Um, but I think before, you know, there was so little knowledge in the hands of a few people that it was really helping um, yeah, Um helping everyone who had knowledge kind of escape where they were or, you know, grow and develop. But now the challenge is not to have all the information. Now the challenge is to be able to pick the right information because we don't have time. We don't have the yeah. brain processing power for all the information that's available. So for mm. me, the real skill and what enables us to be happy is not anymore getting more, 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 more. It's about being able to select what's
0: yeah, prioritizing.
1: Yeah, was truly uh, valid for us and important for us. And just accepting that we won't be doing all the things, we won't be learning all the things.
0: Yeah, everything else is noise.
1: It's not necessarily noise, because there are a lot of great resources out there, for sure. Um, but it's also being very aware of what you need now and what you maybe don't need now. Like if you're, if you don't plan on starting a business before three years, it doesn't matter that you listen today to I don't know a marketing podcast on like how to do Facebook ads right now you don't need to do that because a it's going to change <laughs> and b you know it's good for inspiration but those kind of practical knowledge you don't need now so just learn that when you have your business running and you want to expand and then you listen to how to do Facebook ads
0: mm. and I also think that people go through like an exploration phase a phase where they you know look in many different directions to figure out what actually they are they want to do or they are good uh at doing and you know we i think you mentioned ikigai and uh, like where where are we what are we good at what do we want to do and uh there's also two other dimensions that i forget um, <laughs> and uh what we can earn money from as well uh, and then the yeah, last dimension. And I don't and if...
1: what is needed in the world
0: yeah what is needed in the world but uh so i think maybe many also get stuck in this exploration phase where they can't really they can't choose they can't prioritize um mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i think you know whether it's on your career, on your happiness path. Mm. We don't necessarily have to choose, but it's important to not do one million things at once. Um, A few years ago, I did one exercise that was really helpful for me because I always felt like, yeah, maybe I should do this right now or I should do this and I need to (laughs) do everything at once and I don't know what I really want to do. And it was an exercise where I had to write basically for every year of my life that has passed kind of what I had done So, maybe at six years old, I would say, like, okay, I started, you know, (laughs) primary school and learned to read. And so then I would do this until the year when I was writing it. And then I would also have to do it for all the years that I had left, considering, let's say, that I would leave until I'm 80. Um, And then I realized, okay, I have many years ahead to do things or to see things. So it really helped me think, okay, maybe I don't need to take this on now. Maybe this I can do in 10 years. Because there is still a lot of yours um, left. So, just this was helpful. Um, Otherwise, I think experimenting and not just thinking, what is the job that I need to do? Um, And yeah, really, really trying. So, for example, me a couple of years ago, I started this Instagram account where I shared books that I was reading and just some information and feedback about the book because I love reading and I generally like. When I see that someone is like, oh, I'm searching for, I don't know, information on this or I like this kind of story. I will always jump in to be like, oh, yeah, I have read this book that, you know, maybe would be helpful for you. So I thought, okay, maybe I can do that. And I realized I hated doing it. I hated to try to take pictures that look nice of the book cover. I hated having to write feedback and information in, you know, those captions about the book. So I really tried to, like, kept it up. And then I felt bad, like, why can't I follow up on this? You know, I'm usually really good at, you know, continuing projects that I start. But I just always wanted to abandon. And I realized, okay, I just don't like sharing, first taking pictures that are supposed to look pretty. I'm not really good at that. I'm not interested in that. And I really don't like writing comments about (laughs) what I liked or not about a book. So I just stopped. And then when I started the Happy Newsletter it's not like I felt, oh, I have a passion for happiness or quotes or (laughs) articles about happiness. But I started really small with the commitment of one quote a week, which, you know, it's not so much. So I felt like even if I don't have so much time or I don't find any articles or resources, it's just one quote per week. And there's no commitment in time. I can do it one year, I can do it 10 years. And then from there, I only started to grow aspects that I liked because Mm -hmm. right now it's just, you know, I can do anything I want with it. So I only do things that I like. If, for example, I don't think I would like to edit videos. So I'm not like, okay, I'm going to start a YouTube channel where I have, you know, all those great animations on the video and stuff like this. I'm sure it would be super cool. But I'm not interested in the editing side of things. Some people love it. But for me, it's like, well, I get to choose, you know, which sometimes we don't get to do in a traditional job or traditional activities. So I think this is a great example of just starting something and then you will see if you can't follow up with it. Probably there is a reason. Mm. There is something that you don't like doing and it doesn't mean that you're not just, you know, inconsistent or lazy or this or that. It means there's one part of the activity that you just don't enjoy and you can find something else that you will just enjoy more and that you will keep going.
0: Mm. So like once more, like starting small and... Uh, expanding from there
1: yeah and i think it's it's definitely not an advice i would have taken longer, or that i like to take because i think it's sometimes when we get excited we can have many ideas of how we're gonna do this whole project or it's the same thing you know in with the new year of we don't take one small new resolution we're like oh we're gonna be this whole new person Mm. (laughs) and it's the same with projects or activities we're like oh we're gonna do all these things and well, then the reality of making these things happen takes time and it takes effort and there are challenges. So it's easy to get overwhelmed or, you know, just feel like, oh, this is not working or this is so much work. So for me, yeah, when I started the happy newsletter, it was really like, I need to not get myself too excited or too overwhelmed or start to think, what am I going to do with this? And I need to have a newsletter and a podcast and a YouTube channel and post on LinkedIn and post on Instagram and create articles and this, this and that, which I would definitely think about. But it's was like, nope. The newsletter it's going to be one quote every week and then once i did this for one full year i was like okay now i'm comfortable with this it would be fun to have uh, like a monthly newsletter and sometimes it can be two articles sometimes it can be one there's no no specificity that i'm like oh i have to do this or i need to do this um so, so you
0: restricted I, yourself for being too involved basically
1: I mean, not contract. not being too involved, uh, but just taking it one step at a time and not thinking, mm-hmm. you know, like when I started with, you know, you and me as a subscriber of the newsletter yeah. <laughs> and just sending one quote. If from then I would have thought about oh, I need to, I don't know, uh, get a microphone or like I need mm-hmm. to register copyright for the name of my business or things like this. It would get so overwhelming and I think this is typically the kind of project that you are not going to know all the steps mm-hmm. so you can't just plan like any other goal of like, oh, I'm going to do this and then this and then this and then that mm-hmm. and have a six-month, two-year plan. Yeah. You can just be like, first I'm going to do this and those are the next five steps. Once mm-hmm. I, Then when I have done this, I can figure out the next five steps. <laughs>
0: yeah. And also the, the creation of habits. Uh, I know that you uh, focused a lot of habits earlier that you were not doing research on it, but you looked on a lot of resources for habits and you had this habit tracking that you were talking about. And for me, at least, uh, I've learned a lot from it. Maybe you want to you know, explain a bit and maybe this was something you had in mind as well when you were yeah, starting this project.
1: Uh, so not, not necessarily for the Habits Newsletter, but yeah, there's definitely this one concept that I've used that I've been super helpful, which was the one month, one habits uh, framework that I created. And yeah, it was really helpful first because it forced me to, Focus on one thing at a time. So going back to what I said earlier, we can't just do everything at once.
0: Yeah.
1: And the fact that I would take this as an experiment for one month, it really took away all the maybe pressure that we can put on ourselves on like, oh, I need to get this right, and I need to, uh, you know, make sure that it's the right habit for me, or I don't know all these thoughts that we can have. I was generally someone who doesn't fail, doesn't want to fail, doesn't want to experiment anything that I can fail at. So just starting a new habit would feel like, ah, oh, maybe this one, you know, I'm not going to follow through. So I'm not going to start. Or maybe it's not good for me. So I'm not going to start. But with this framework, it would just be like, OK, I tried for 30 days. I really commit to it. And I have all those like plans for if I don't follow through or, you know, sort of strategies to make sure that I make it easy for myself. And I was like, okay, some habits, I'm like, nope, this is not for me, or at least it's not for me for now, and that's fine, I don't need to feel like a bad person, or like, I'm not healthy enough, or, I don't know, intelligent enough, or anything. And some of them, you know, after 30 days, I was like, okay, this is really good, and I'm going to continue it, either in the same way, or adapt it a little bit. So, yeah, it's been really helpful on the habits level, but also just to train myself to experiment with things, and not just be like oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to work. And mm. I think super hard. I make the decision and I'm going to do this. And it's good for me. It was like, I tried this. It's one month. There's 12 months per year. Mm. Now what, we're in 2022. We almost wasted two years of our life. <laughs> so mm. just trying something for 30 days is not so
0: much. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you, have you uh, incorporated any habits uh, that are useful for happiness in your life?
1: definitely the gratefulness bit of it um so this i don't have like a super strict way of doing it i've made it so that either in the evening i will write some things that i'm grateful for or sometime in the morning i will just have thoughts about what i'm grateful for um or sometimes just randomly during the day so i don't have a full process <laughs> on uh, being grateful but it's definitely something that now i'm um, very conscious about and that every day i just think okay what is at least one thing that i'm grateful for
0: Mm. and i know that uh, there's a lot of talk about mindfulness and similar activities uh, in today's uh, yeah today's world Uh, do you do any of these kind of activities or have you tried or
1: so i have tried definitely um (laughs) the other day i had these thoughts that i think when we're like peeling carrots. This is basically yeah. meditation because you're just focused on one thing that is like not really using your brain and it's a very repetitive activity. So for me, this is kind of like meditation. Um, I have done regular, I guess, meditation with different apps. Um, it's been helpful. Um, I did it for a while. Then I have stopped for quite a while. I don't feel so much the need to do yeah. it, but I also think that it's because Right now, I have a lot of times in my days and in my week where I'm just, I don't know if you can say in meditative states, but I don't use all of the downtimes that I have with new distractions or information. Mm. So if I'm cooking or doing the dishes, I'm just cooking or doing the dishes. I'm not watching a TV show at the same time. I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm not doing anything else. Mm. So I do have this downtime where I can just sort of let my brain be at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it would be helpful to do more like yeah. proper meditation. Sometimes I get back to it. Sometimes I don't. And I think that's that's all right. We don't all need mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. sit down and close our eyes and, and listen to some nice yeah. voice telling us <laughs> this and this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you're onto something. Do you think that perhaps this meditation trend is a consequence of us, us being so busy all the time and always, you know, doing something productive, so to speak?
1: Yes, for sure. And and I think sometimes doing meditation is the only excuse or moment people allow themselves to not do anything. And mm. for me, if you use meditation still as, oh, I have to do this and kind of like it's productive because it's good for my brain, it's good for my health. And like, mm. even though it, it will for sure calm you down, if it's just one more thing on your to-do list and that it's like kind of productive, I don't mean that it's not going to be useful. For sure it will. But I think it takes away the whole concept of, We don't need to be productive all the time. Your brain needs to rest. And just accepting that like it's okay that we're not always either producing something or working on ourselves to be better producers, I guess. Yeah. Uh,
0: Coming back a bit to happiness. We've talked a lot about Mm -hmm. habits now in the last few minutes. I was just thinking if you want to share uh, one of your happiest moments in your life and uh, how that made you feel or like what you were doing at that time and where you were. and Yeah,
1: yeah, that's quite a tough one. I've had one moment that I remember very precisely. It was not so, so long. I mean, some years ago now. Um, so I was working in New York and I flew for just four days to LA and San Francisco. I did two days in LA, two days in San Francisco. And just before taking the night bus from San Francisco down to LA, I was just on the pier of the city by not the famous Red Bridge, another of <laughs> the nice bridge that they have there. And there was this sunset that was like all pink and orange and super beautiful. So I was just like by myself on this kind of thing along the river watching the sunset and I started to cry. I was just so happy in that moment. Everything was simple. I was just, it was not joy because yeah. it was nothing, you know, euphoric or like, ho, 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 <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> super exciting. But I had just spent, you know, the day exploring the city. I just felt really alive. I just felt like I was in a big town, but still in connection with nature. Everything was just beautiful. I was free. So I don't know. I just felt really, really happy in that moment. And I was just like, oh my God, why am I crying? <laughs> but it was really just no no sadness in it. It was kind of like just an emotional happiness moment. I had never <laughs> had it before. I don't think I, I had it after that. Um, so yeah, this was just a very simple happy moment I was really surprised that just came out of nowhere um because I've had other happy moments of like being grateful or things like that but not in this simplicity of just Mm. watching this (laughs) sunset
0: yeah that's that's very interesting and uh, I I guess you didn't do anything special for this moment to happen It just you know came from you feeling free and feeling
1: I mean, I I think the one, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't do anything for it to happen, but I also uh, created a space where it could happen. Mm. Uh, If I would have been there and, I don't know, have my phone and think, Mm. oh, I need to take a picture to put, I don't know, on Instagram or... I don't know, be there and think about, oh, Monday I'm getting back to work and Mm. uh, I'm worried about this. Or, you know, think (laughs) what? Or listening to a podcast or think like, oh, I need to go to this super cool rooftop bar. Uh, You know, Mm. I'm just two days in San Francisco. I need to check this out and this out and this Mm. out. But there, like, you know, it was just a few hours before my bus. And uh, yeah, you know, I probably didn't see everything there is to see in San Francisco. I just saw a few things, but this felt enough for me and I think I stayed there on this thing for probably about three hours literally watching the entire sunset mm. so some people could say that you know this is a waste of time We're in a city like San Francisco I could have met millions of interesting people who gone to a million interesting places uh, just sat and watched the sunset but uh, for me I created that space you know like I was not doing anything else at the same time I didn't rush to anything so I think that's really what we need more of and it's not so much creating those moments of happiness and be like Mm. i need to organize this and a bit like me feeling for my birthday like i need to have all my friends here and i need to organize this big party and it needs to be like this Mm. and like like that (laughs) sometimes it's just making the empty space so that Mm. those good feelings can happen
0: Mm. yeah i don't know if you've heard about it but there's this concept called uh, all walking where you basically seek up uh, spaces in quietness uh that is uh i don't know not grandiose but maybe in a forest or a lake or mountains and you just walk in in, in quietness and yeah uh, taking nature basically
1: mm-hmm. so, um, i mean i i haven't heard of this concept in particular um i just know that yeah basically every researcher has studies humans yeah. and connection with nature have proven that you know just seeing nature or being in nature doesn't necessarily make you happy but is you know good for your balance and and mental health and just having some yeah connection to to yourself and to the world and to kind of the bigger purposes of life um i was thinking about
0: this about creating space as well and creating the possibility for happiness to happen as you described with the uh, san francisco experience
1: Mm -hmm. but i think it's also it doesn't have to be any i don't know amazing Place like okay, that day you know, in San Francisco. Some people can think it's really beautiful, some people can think it's really ugly. Um, mm-hmm. but I remember me when I moved back now to Lyon, and I think most people who know me personally know that I don't really, I'm not really a big fan of this city. But then one day I just went by myself to this big park, the Parc de la Tete d'Or, which is kind of like Central Park, just a mm-hmm. little bit smaller. And I just felt, all right, I kind of hate this city and I hate living here. But this is really awesome i just fifteen minutes from where I live, I have this super big park there are those, you know just this big lake, these big trees, and it's just really nice to walk around. I had never appreciated it before, but now I really try every time I go there to just feel like you know, I don't know, it's not uh I don't know some amazing wow place, mm. but it's a nice park, it's in the middle of the city, and yeah, this is just enough to kind of also make a difference between uh just being at home all the time or like working yeah, from home yeah. and, and just with also, nature as yeah, yeah sorry, no sure can... <laughs> go ahead
0: <laughs> uh no i was i was thinking of your conversation with Yasmin, and you know uh, in general in Scandinavia, i think that's something that we're pretty good at at finding nature at finding space for quietness uh, do you think that has something to do with uh, yeah the high scores that a lot of Scandinavian countries get in in the measurement of happiness
1: mm, I, I don't think so um I'm just going to share my opinion because obviously it's Mm -hmm. not based on on super research or anything. I think it's more the way people think about happiness in those countries. And I think it came through a little bit in my conversation with Jasmine, which was that if you ask people generally from Scandinavia, if they consider themselves happy, maybe at the start, they won't say yes. But then if you tell them, OK, on what would you base your happiness criteria? You know, say like, yeah, that I, you know, have a good life. I have a good uh, job that I like. I have kind of comfort. I have my family and my friends around me. Overall, I have a good life. So, yeah, I'm happy. And I think it was really interesting with Jasmine and people usually I talk with in Scandinavia. It's like, if you tell them, are you happy? They're not necessarily going to say yes. But if you make them talk a little bit about their life, then they're going to think, oh, yeah, I have everything to be happy. So, yes, yeah, sure, I am happy. And all those surveys that are done, you know, they're like oriented, I think, in a way that makes people in countries where people live comfortably answer like they are happy. And I think one sad example is that you know countries like Sweden or Norway or Finland have really high rates of suicides. So mm. obviously not everybody is happy. Um, mm. But this is not really taken into account in those yeah. surveys, and it doesn't mean only in Scandinavia people have. Have depression or you know struggle with those kind of thoughts, but I think in in other places it's a little bit less, but people don't have the same comfort in life and wouldn't necessarily consider themselves happy
0: mm. so you think that the baseline is is different between countries basically of what is happiness
1: yeah, in some ways, I think the definition can be different. I think also the way we answer to these questions can be different. Um, and sometimes it can almost feel arrogant to say yes I'm happy <laughs> you know? yeah, it would be uh, kind of like yes I'm a millionaire <laughs> and yeah, so what <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, because uh, you know having come in contact with the French culture uh, I know that you like uh, to generalize <laughs> I, I know that you like to complain a lot and, uh, uh, maybe this is something that could account uh, uh, in for these kind of surveys that uh, some particular com- uh, cultures it's it's a part of the culture to to not be fully satisfied <laughs> so to speak
1: Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And I think as much as we complain, we also um, traditionally have had many habits and cultural ways of doing that either keep us happy or make us, you know, kind of move forward from all the things that we complain about. Um, and I think it's in the same in, in other places in Europe. And, you know, for me, the example of Greece is really interesting because it, the first time we, we moved to Greece and my parents, we always felt like, oh, every night is a party. Mm. <laughs> And it's definitely not that everybody in Greece has it so easy and so comfortable. Like in every society, there are you know richer and poorer people, and happier and more <laughs> sad people. But if you just go and walk around, life felt like a party. And interestingly enough, when the whole you know crisis happened and a lot of people lost their job or had very little money, the party so to speak kept going. You could still see people mm-hmm. going out and like walking around uh, or along the water in Thessaloniki you know playing music together all those kind of things and they're not necessarily ways that people are happy but they are the ways that they go forward uh, and handle this crisis or this sadness that's yeah, happening to
0: yeah, them yeah. yeah i mean uh having roots myself from the Balkans, uh, i think there is another approach to life it is a bit more very high and very low uh, <laughs> uh, in, con- in comparison to the maybe the swedish mentality of being at a high baseline it maybe it's not very high but it is good or like lagom as you would La say lagom <laughs> yes uh, and in, in serbia uh, which is where i have most perspective uh, but as i think people are more maybe there's more joy but there's also more uh, sadness sorrow. And, <laughs> and sorrow and and uh, yeah a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stern old men crying to some uh, beautiful music <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, so i don't know i don't know it's it's, it's an interesting concept this uh, you know, happiness and, and sadness and joy and all these quite uh, strong emotions and how they are different in different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, what is like a happy life to you? Uh, like, how do you live a happy life? I mean, I, I guess it's individual for everyone, but how is it for you? What is what is a happy life for you?
1: What is a happy life for me? Hmm. Good, uh, good thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, as I kind of said at the start, to to go full circle, it's um, when you have most days that you're happy doesn't mean you have necessarily joy but that you're just Mm -hmm. sort of content with yourself and where you're at and and the world um and i think what will bring me that state will probably evolve Mm. um so i don't have one thing right now that i'm like oh you know like I will do this and I will be happy or like my life needs to look this way and I will be happy. Mm. And I think that's a really great progress <laughs> to mm. just feel like, you know, I will see what makes me happy. And I'm still very much a goal person and I like to set goals and, you know, keep evolving. But I also think it's good to, yeah, I think like, uh, maybe I don't know everything that will make me happy. Maybe there are things I think will make me happy and they, they won't. Mm. Um So, I think I'm way more aware than before of things that are important for my happiness. Mm -hmm. But that is not set Mm -hmm. um, as like a structure or a goal. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something I I believe is really important is to not focus on, you know, we always say it's not the goal, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like the way there. It's not not even that, it's not even the journey, it's more, it's not the the what, it's Mm -hmm. because if you just focus on I don't know, you're know, like, I want to have kids, and this is going to make me happy. You can feel okay, there's kind of only one way to have kids. Yeah. So I have just this one way, and you know, having kids will make me happy. But if actually what you want or what you need is being surrounded by family, there are so many ways that you can do that. Uh, either with kids, your own, other kids, uh, you can, I don't know, be a godmother, or you can spend more time with your cousins, with whoever. If what you actually need and makes you happy is connection with your family, you can find so many ways to make it happen. Mm. But if your idea is just, I want to have kids and this is going to make me happy. If for some reason you can't have kids or, you know, anything like that, then it's really like, Oh, this is going to hurt so much if you can't have it. And it doesn't mean that you won't be happy if you don't get them. Like for sure, it's, you know, it's a very difficult situation, Mm. but if you generally set your goals on the needs Mm. and what, what it's going to fulfill, you can find different ways to achieve that. Mm. Mm. Like if you would say, I want my work to, I don't know, allow me to be independent and choose you know, what time I work. This you can do in so many ways. You can work for a company, you can be freelance, you have your own startup, you can have so many yeah, options. Yeah, but yeah. if you just say, I want to work, I don't know, at this company. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, there are so many solutions to that one need, but there is still just one need.
1: exactly so Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that sometimes you can't get disappointed and that you shouldn't Mm -hmm. set goals that are specific and Mm -hmm. things like that sometimes you will be disappointed in life and it's just how it is and some events can be you know very difficult or dramatic but i think generally it it's a lot easier to focus on okay what is the need that i want to fulfill or what is my wish what is my want and then keep it open on the solutions that will provide that instead Mm -hmm. of thinking you know, like, I need to get this type of job or I need to build this company or uh, leave in that place. <laughs> Those yeah, kind of yeah. goals.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, to share a small anecdote, uh, we had, uh, I was studying aerospace engineering and in class we had uh, this uh, guest professor that uh, her main goal was to be an astronaut. Uh, and then she didn't manage to be an astronaut. And, uh she shared that, you know, uh, to, to put such a goal and to put all your happiness at stake on this one goal, uh, that this was something that she regrets doing because there was so much emptiness when that goal mm. wasn't possible uh, to achieve. And also many goals are not just ours to achieve, I think. I think mm. there's so many uh, circumstances and uh, outward uh, uh, activities or uh, situations that we can't uh, can't affect. And... Uh, so i agree i think it's i think it's dangerous to to just chase that one dream even though it can be a a beautiful dream as becoming an astronaut or as you know having kids or anything
1: but it's it's all all we taught you know we're not taught like Mm -hmm. oh you know how do you want to feel or like (laughs) what is the environment that you want to create it's Mm -hmm. you know what is the goal that you want to achieve what are you going to do
0: yeah i mean Uh, the first question we get isn't it what do you want to become when you uh, grow up
1: (laughs) yeah and it's not you know like then you need to answer with an activity, you know, like a job. It's not like, oh, I want to feel free. (laughs) Or then your parents are going to be like, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) what are we going to do with this one? So yeah, I think your example of this, um, you know, hopeful astronaut is is very relevant because it doesn't mean you shouldn't have big dreams or that, you know, it's good to to, to think like, yeah, maybe I can do it and then I'm going to work so hard for it. But yeah, if you like... She she couldn't make it. She couldn't make it. And then that's it. There's no other solution to be an astronaut. There's not a million ways or a million agencies that are going to recruit you. But, I mean, I don't know how old this person is now. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe, you know, with all the commercial space things that are happening, maybe she could still find a way to be an astronaut, but not in the sense that she had thought previously. But if her goal is, I want to go to space, then she already has more options than if she's like, I want to be an astronaut for NASA.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. It's, it's never too late. <laughs> I mean, uh, both uh, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos have shown that going to space uh, is possible if you have enough money today. So.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, there was even this uh, movie crew that also went yeah. um, sort of on this space space thing. So. Maybe she could have been part of this crew. Maybe she could have become like an actress on this, you know, movie. Mm -hmm. And then it's so many other solutions that can come up than if it's just we have this idea of an astronaut and an astronaut is someone that goes with, you know, ESA or NASA and and that's it. Mm -hmm. Then your options are very limited. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No. I mean, I think uh, you know, to take an example that is maybe more uh, common, like I want to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. There's many ways that you can help people. You can be a nurse. You can be, uh, you know, a teacher. You can. There's there's many ways that you Uh, can help people in life. And uh, uh, I think also many, you know, uh, get stuck on becoming like a doctor or something more specific that is uh, maybe more common as well. So I think... Yeah,
1: that's for sure. And the example of the doctor, I think is also so interesting and relevant because then if we want to become a doctor, as a doctor, and not just as a nurse or, I don't know, someone else helping people, maybe the reason we want to be a doctor specifically is for also the... I don't know aura mm. that doctors get and the prestige mm. that it is to mm. oh you you know you made it and you became a doctor, and this is such you know like a great profession, there's a lot of positive stereotypes around being a mm. doctor that maybe are not as much associated with being a nurse. It's not considered mm. in many countries as as prestigious to be a nurse, mm. and I think this reveals a lot about you know our constant need to be the best that we can be and reach for the highest mm. that we can. It's not just about helping people in a medical mm. way. It's about, oh, well, I like to help people and I'm interested maybe in medicine, but I also need to be a doctor because then I'm going to make more money and I'm going to be recognized. And, you know, it also shows that I'm intelligent and all those mm. kind of mm. other parts that have nothing to do with your happiness.
0: Mm.
1: There are just everything to do with, you know, feeling like, oh, I'm going to be loved because I will have ticked all the things of success.
0: <laughs> External approval that we always, uh, or that many of us look for, even though maybe it will not make us
1: Yeah, but it takes a long time, I think, to first realize what we do Mm -hmm. for approval. It's not always so easy. Um, And, you know, sometimes disapproval makes us happy. So for us, it's hard to dissociate the two because we like so much being praised and, you know, having people being impressed by us. So we do feel like, oh, I'm happy. Look, like I've achieved this. People love me. I feel happy about this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it doesn't last because it's only based on other people's vision of us, other people's recognition from us. And that's where I think a lot of this, you know, imposter syndrome comes from, Mm. because we're like, oh, you know, they all love me or are impressed by me for what I have done. So I need to keep it up (laughs) or Mm. make it better, because otherwise people are are just gonna, you know, not love me anymore, not be impressed Mm. by me. And we have a whole sense of worth and happiness based on that. So that's why it becomes so important. Well, if you have your whole sense of worth and happiness on, I just do the activities that bring me joy. Of course, you're still going to want people to love you and praise you and be impressed by you. Mm. But you don't need the same regular shots of uh, praise and so on, because you mm. are generally fulfilling your life. And then if people are love you more, praise you more, are more impressed by you, you get this extra bonus <laughs> of like no happiness shoot. But if, you know, everything you do, the only spikes of happiness you get are when <laughs> people praise you or impressed by you then it becomes really difficult to keep going and keep going. And that's when you just go always for the next best thing because it gives you another shot of happiness.
0: As I know you're from 10 years back almost, uh, <laughs> nine to be more excited. Uh, or is it eight? Eight years maybe, sorry. No, it's nine. <laughs> so it's going to be nine, it's going to be nine, yes. No, it uh, has know, been nine. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, uh, uh, I know that you maybe yourself was not just kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, treadmill, if you want to speak, that you you were looking for other uh, people's approval, and uh, if you find yourself in this in this place and you come to the realization, uh, do you have any any tips or advice on how to either to realize or to get out of it, uh, to you know, step out?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it uh, can be a slow and painful process because I think the moment you start realizing, oh, maybe I'm just you know like. We don't want to think of us ourselves as a hamster in a yeah. you know, in, in this uh, running running thing, but um I think the first step is very painful because you thought, oh, this is great, and you know, like I'm on the way to success. And then you start to see this like no success thing crack up and you're like, No, this is not it. You know, like this is not what's gonna make me happy. This is not what's gonna make me feel loved, you know, like beyond praise. So I think if you start to have feelings that There's just something wrong, or like that you don't feel good. Just take the time to feel this. It's going to be like painful because suddenly you realize everything you've been working so hard for was not necessarily a waste, but you're like, oh, this is not what I should be doing. Mm. And it can feel very easy to like blame yourself or, yeah, just be sad or upset or frustrated. So for me, I took a long time to just be like really understanding where this was coming from. And then I wouldn't say, you know, if you have, for example, a job and you're like, oh, you know, I hate this actually. I wouldn't necessarily just be like, okay, just quit and, you know, do yeah. leave your passion because then it puts so much pressure on you to succeed on your passion like right away um, yeah. for financial reason, for your self-esteem, for everything. So for me, when I started to feel like, okay, this is not what I should be doing, I also realized um, I, I will never be sort of happy later if i can't already today understand mm. what is good and what is maybe not so good mm. so i was still in the same situation i didn't change anything but i started to feel like okay i'm going to consciously find things that are positive in what i do now or the situation i'm in now so then this made this a lot easier and i had the brain space to think okay what are the things that i do want to change what are the things that i want to be different mm. and not just be like oh, i need to change everything and like i don't know <laughs> go live in a forest <laughs> Um so this, I think, are really the first steps, not feeling guilty or in a rush to just quit it all or start something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, then just taking it step by step when mm-hmm. I, left, for example, Sanofi, it felt really scary. Um, I didn't really have, you know, a traditional job lined up. That was the first time in my life that I was like, oh, you know, like, what am I going to do? But then I did one thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And this is still what I am doing today. I'm just doing one thing and the next thing. And they mm-hmm. build on each other. And it's a lot less scary than having this whole new idea or project or thing that we need to to start. And it definitely gives you the time to move through the transition. Otherwise, it's so easy to just make the same mistakes again. And it's definitely mm-hmm. something I did. Mm-hmm. Um I had a job and I didn't like it or didn't like sort of the culture. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to leave. And then I take another job and you think it's going to be better. And you know, then you do this and you're like, Oh yeah, no, nothing is perfect. So then you go to a next job and maybe it's not for you, but it's also, well, if you don't like any of the jobs that you do or like, you feel like, Oh, I can't stay in this company. I can't stay in this company. Maybe it's not just the company. <laughs> maybe it's also something in yourself that you're like, this is not for me. There is something that's just not, the way I want to work. Um, mm-hmm. But it takes some some courage, I think, with yourself and with other people to be like, yeah, maybe it's not just that all those companies were wrong. Maybe it also wasn't a fit for me and I need to put myself in question and not just jump to another job that looks super cool on paper.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds to me like a common theme in, in, in uh, your you know, talks about happiness and uh, how you uh, constantly say that this next goal, when I achieve it, it will not bring me happiness. Um, but you have to start finding things in everyday life that actually you find joy in and that, that you make you happy right now. So, uh, you mentioned that today or these days you get happy by putting on, putting on your slippers,
1: but are there <laughs> yeah. other things that make you happy
0: right now than your slippers?
1: Um, yeah, I have this <laughs> coffee machine that I use very rarely and. So now I have made it one of my special things on the advice of uh, Alvaro from the last podcast, who was having one special thing a day. So me, for example, when now I have one of those uh, Starbucks capsules that I that I put on this <laughs> this next special machine, also because we got those capsules as a gift, I feel like, oh, this is really special and it makes me happy. Um, so I think for me, what usually brings me happiness needs to have some sort of link, uh, an emotional link. So mm-hmm. like those capsules I feel like oh you know they were a gift and they're kind of special because they're Starbucks they're not just any capsule (laughs) Um, or when I use this other machine I put this coffee that I brought back from Costa Rica that I've had for three more than three years now because I take so little of it so rarely because I just keep enjoying it and every time I open my drawer and I see my coffee from Costa Rica it just makes me really happy because it reminds me that I went to Costa Rica and reminds me of those good moments it makes me feel good about myself as well that um, I brought back like a memory that is useful that I keep using mm. so it just brings a lot of good feelings for me to have yeah for example this still this bag of coffee from Costa Rica yeah
0: um,
1: otherwise it's different things every day some days I don't have anything that makes me happy I'm just like oh everything is bad <laughs> and I'm tired um, although it's been very helpful to change uh, saying I'm tired to I am sleepy uh, for some reason even though the Meaning is kind of the same. Saying I'm sleepy just feels kind of cute and like, oh, I could fall asleep. And tired just feel like, oh, you know, like life is bad. I'm tired. <laughs> do
0: you think it has something to do with that? You put so much negative emotion to the word tired. Like there's so much, uh, so much negativity sure. linked to the word, basically.
1: Yeah. Even in the way we say it, it's like, oh, I'm tired and sleepy. You know, sleepy sounds kind of happy. Yeah. And tired, there's also sort of like some guiltiness behind it. If you're tired... Maybe you went to bed too late or you are too stressed so you don't sleep good. So there's some, you know, maybe some guilty aspect to being tired. But if you're sleepy, it's just, you know, this is a normal part of life. It's like if you're hungry, it's not, you know, anything you have done or anything. It's like, oh, your body is like, well, I need to eat. I'm hungry. And saying I'm sleepy, it's like, well, my body needs to sleep. I am sleepy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this, you know, cherish, cherish, sharing, sharing, uh, uh, cherishing the moment, uh, you know, when, for example, when you take cup of coffee and maybe have a chocolate piece to it and really tasting the coffee, really tasting the chocolate, uh, almost like it would be something you did the last time in your life. And uh, I have been doing uh, some stoicism uh, uh, yeah, on my free time and they talk a lot about this last minute meditations and these sort of things. And for me, at least, I think I think there is something there to uh, realizing that this could be the last time I do this and I should cherish this moment. And I shouldn't just look for the next moment, but actually be in this moment. Uh, do you do anything? Uh, uh, I mean, you you mentioned your habits. But, uh, <laughs> do you do do you do something in your everyday life where you like okay now I have to focus just on being here in this?
1: Uh... I mean, I don't do this concept of maybe this is the last time I'm, I'm gonna have it. Um, usually, if I do this exercise, just to kind of stress myself, like I don't know, it's definitely not something I use for happiness. I don't think it would really work for me, but that's that's very personal. I think for some people, it may. Uh, be super useful um i think for me it's again really creating the space for those moments to happen um like a few weeks ago i woke up in the morning and instead of i don't know just thinking okay i'm gonna take a coffee and sit there and wait or (laughs) i don't know uh, or put on a podcast or something i was like oh i remember when i was younger i always wanted there was this thing with this um, the daughter of some friends of my parents. Every time we would be at their house, we would try to stay awake the whole night because there would be kids cartoons starting at 6 a.m. And for some reason, I have no idea why, we were just like, we have to just not sleep all night. And at 6 a.m., we like go in front of TV and watch those cartoons. It was so important that we wouldn't sleep before. I don't know why. We thought that maybe it would be easier than waking up at, I don't know, 6 a.m., Anyway, so then I thought, okay, I was always so excited about this, and it's kind of fun sometimes to watch kids stuff. So that morning, I took on my coffee, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna put it on TV and see if there's some kids, kids cartoon. And then I just watched one kid cartoon, and then I watched a documentary on space that was really fun. And I felt, wow, this, you know, this made me happy. I didn't plan anything special, and I didn't put pressure on me on like, oh, I'm gonna, I don't know, watch TV and this is my self care time, and I need to enjoy it. <laughs> It was just like I'm waking up. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh yeah, there was this thing I thought was cool when I was younger. Let's do this. Yeah,
0: hmm. uh, we have we have discussed uh, how stories are so powerful in in uh, you know uh, in happiness in uh, getting that feeling for like when we were in Costa Rica or uh, the story about these uh, Starbucks capsules that they're not just uh, Starbucks capsules; they're also a gift <laughs> and they're meant for me to enjoy and. Uh, do you think uh, that creating these kind of stories almost like intentionally, like consciously also helps with maybe cherishing the moment even more? Or...
1: Yeah, I think for when it comes to happiness. For me, they are a part of what makes me happy. If if I would, I don't know, just... Yeah, I don't know. If I would just have those Starbucks capsule, like I don't even necessarily like Starbucks or anything, I wouldn't feel like, oh, wow, it makes me special or anything like this is the whole thing around it. Mm-hmm. Um, do
0: you look for the story? Like...
1: I don't look for the stories. I think I like the thing that already have stories, mm-hmm. like the sleepers. I didn't think, oh, I want to like those sleepers and I'm going to make them make me happy. Uh, so I'm going to create this whole story of like, oh, it reminds me of this, this and that. I like them and I like putting them on in the morning because they have a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you can create more stories, but... I don't think necessarily you need to create those. It's more being aware of mm. the things that have a story or meaning for you some some gifts don't necessarily have a meaning or maybe not a positive meaning, so you don't have to force force it um, but it's it's about being very aware and recognizing those things for me. it was just a choice to say mm. like, Okay, I'm gonna be happy putting on my sleepers mm. and then I'm like, Okay, why is this meaningful to me? and then the story you know, comes to my mind. Mm. So you, I think you can decide on, okay, what is one thing that I think is pretty cool or makes me happy? And then if you ask yourself, why, why, why? The story or the reason behind is going to come up. You don't have to create it. I, I think, <laughs> anyway.
0: Yeah, mentioning meaning. Uh, do you think uh, that meaning in one's life is, a chance, is essential to living a happy life?
1: Yeah, I for sure. Uh I think for me, all the things that make me happy are because of their meaning. And I think if you don't have meaning, yeah, you can have joy or you can see beauty, but it's all going to be like, yeah, okay, you know, like, (laughs) so what? And I think meaning is probably even more important in difficult times, um, because as much as it can help you be happy, I think the hardest is definitely in the difficult time if you just have nothing to carry on Mm. or that you think something doesn't make sense. Mm. Then it's just terrible and horrible. But if you mm. think, okay, you know, this has some meaning,
0: mm.
1: it doesn't make it easier or less terrible, but it's you. You can go forward, or you can mm. keep going. If there's no meaning, it's like a stop. It's like you can't go forward because there's no no meaning in going forward. You should just
0: mm.
1: stay here, and like, <laughs> there's nothing to look forward to. Mm.
0: Yeah, when you say this, it makes me think of uh, uh, this book that we both uh, read, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl and uh, how finding meaning even in suffering in the, uh, in the, in the, in the camps, in the work camps and also in Auschwitz, uh, how this basically is one of the most powerful tools he explains that uh, brings things through every day and uh, talking about uh, having the hardest of conditions. uh, Do you, do you uh, think about any any ways of finding meaning in, in, in life. Like sometimes, you know, you wake up and you're like, today just feels like a waste. <laughs> like, what am I going to do today? I, I don't even want to get out of bed. You
1: know. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't have a tip to like, just wake up every day and be like, oh, there's a meaning to my life. But I think in difficult times, meanings find you. Uh, mm-hmm. There are, there have been difficult times in my life that I didn't necessarily see a meaning or, you know, I it, it, or maybe it didn't, maybe I had a meaning, but I didn't really see what meaning it had. Um, but I think when it comes more to the positive side, it's, it's I don't think you can just wake up and be like, okay, "Yeah, I have a meaning every day of my life. But if you ask yourself regularly, why do you do things? And really get to the core of it and asking you why, why, why? You will know what is your meaning. And then sometimes you're not following it. I know sometimes I haven't followed my meaning because I had maybe some other values at the time that were more important for my, not even, not really sense of survival. But when you're, for example, your need of being loved is so strong, you will do anything. You, you don't care about being happy. You're just going to be like, please love me and I'm going to do anything for people to love me. Then you don't really care so much about being happy or mm. having a purpose or anything like this. All going to be about like feeling loved and being accepted or things like that. But once you can sort of move on from this, if you're like, okay, why do I do things? And really, why do I do things? And why do I do things? You get to the core reason. And this for me has been, I think, one of the most uh, incredible exercise to witness in the students that I coach now. When I tell them, okay, what do you want to do in life? Or what do you think motivates you? And some of them are like, money. I want to be rich. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, well. <laughs> and there was this student in, in particular, and I told him, OK, so why do you want to be rich? And he answered, well, I want to buy myself a yacht, you know, it's like huge boats that cost so much money. And I told him, OK, well, you know, like, that's quite specific. Why do you want to buy yourself a yacht? I was like, yeah, well, if I can buy myself a yacht, it means that, you know, I have been so successful that I can basically buy myself pretty much anything in life. And he had this idea that he would have those like big parties on the boat and be able to share, uh. Kind of, you know, his richness or wealth with his friends and his family. So it's like, okay. So why is it important for you to have this, you know, yacht and um, have those big parties there? And I was like, well, you know what? Really it was the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I was a kid, I was super lazy. And so my parents always told me I was never going to do anything with my life because I was just too lazy and you know, all that. And I told them, you wait for the day I have a yacht. So this has always been kind of his idea of like, proving to his parents like you think i'm lazy and i'm never going to do anything with my life but you know he just took this example i don't know maybe he saw on like a Mm. tv show that the richest people in the world have a yacht or something like that Mm. so he was like really i just want to prove to my parents that i'm not you know a loser and he was like well and actually i don't really care about the yacht what i want is to really keep doing things and kind of like just reaching for more than what i think i can do so i was like "Mm -hmm, okay that's interesting so it's not even about like proving to your parents that like you're not a loser. It's even proving to yourself that even the day you would have a yacht, you will want to do something more to prove to yourself, now I got the yacht. Now I can do something better. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, really? I just want to keep growing. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I went from, I want to be rich (laughs) because I told him the reason you come, you know, to class with me or to your other classes every week it's not because you want to be rich, because otherwise you would go, I don't know, create a startup doing I don't know what you would go in the streets, sell drugs. I don't know. <laughs> there are other mm-hmm. faster ways to get rich than come to your classes. And I was like, so now, you know, you're already proving to yourself, to your parents, to maybe your friends that you're not a loser. You are studying. And that's why you are coming every week, because you want to get your degree so that you can prove them and prove to yourself you're not, you know, someone who's never going to do anything with your life. And this was really his meaning for him. Uh, beyond I want to be rich. So I think just either yourself or having someone that asks you this question of, okay, what motivates you? Why do you do this? Uh, It's like, oh, why do you go to work? Well, I have to go to work. You know, like I have to bring in money. I have to, I don't know, reimburse my loans. I have to just live. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. why do you do that? And Mm -hmm. everybody is going to have their own answers, which is your own meaning at the moment. And that meaning can evolve and that meaning can be more or less align or more or less what will make you happy mm. but just understanding at the moment why you do things i think is super powerful
0: do you mind sharing your meaning
1: i think for me at the moment it's just being useful proving to myself that i am useful
0: what do you think that is
1: well i think there's a lot of reason that is <laughs> but um i think a lot of us has this need of not necessarily approval but yeah bringing something to to the world and i think for me it's always been thinking you know it is tough to be a parent for example and it is a big responsibility to bring a life to the world so i need to show my parents and everybody that you know we are so many (laughs) millions billions people on earth now i need to be a good part of this i can't just be like one extra human on earth that is like polluting and i don't know doing things that are bad for the planet i need to make it worth that i was also added you know on top of all the other billions of of human beings this has always been something that has been uh driving me it is still i think my strongest meaning um but more and more it's also been i want to do this but not at the cost of being happy, and I can't be a positive, you know, part of the community or the networks if I'm just, you know, sacrificing myself. Mm. And as maybe strange or stupid as it sounds for me, it was. It really came down to realization that I am a human. And that's something also I share a lot with uh, the students I work with. I tell them we are human beings and not like robots or machines or human doings. <laughs> because for me, I just... Uh, Yeah, I was always like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Like I'm a machine, you know, Mm. that is like supposed to do stuff. And just realizing, no, I'm a human, you know, and I have as much right to be there as anybody else. And I'm not there to produce. Um, Mm. I mean, we were at the start, I guess, created at least biologically to reproduce ourselves and and create life. But other than that, we're not really meant to do anything or to create anything. Mm. So this was a lot Freeing for me to just be like, I'm a person, I can sleep, (laughs) I can, you know, just eat or things like that, and I don't need to constantly create or produce like a robot or machine.
0: Do you think happiness can be a purpose or meaning?
1: I think it should be. Maybe it sounds super naive, but I think they wouldn't be, you know, like problems, or maybe not that they wouldn't be problems, but happy people don't. Don't get me. Mm. It doesn't solve all problems. You know, the fact that we are so many people on the planet and resources are limited, it's not gonna be solved by just being like, I'm happy. <laughs> mm. But if you're happy, you're gonna work on solutions and you're not just gonna feel defeated and like want to start a war because there's not enough resources.
0: Mm.
1: So I don't think being happy solves every problem. But I think you can be a lot more um, of a resource in a way when you are positive and Yeah, just from a very, I don't know, maybe naive point of view, happy people are not mean. When we're happy, we're not, you know, busy criticizing other people or getting jealous of other people or this or that. Um, You know, we talk a lot about haters on the Internet. Those are not happy people. Happy people don't go onto the Internet and put, you know, trashy comments on celebrities or, you know, whoever. Because this doesn't bring anything. And for me when you are unhappy and you become a hater or you know dramatic things like go and shoot other people in the street people who are happy don't do this
0: yeah
1: at the same time it shouldn't be you know like a law like you have to be happy and of course Mm -hmm. it's not to go through very difficult things um Mm. so yeah i don't want to share the message of like you know this is the dictatorship (laughs) of happiness and everybody (laughs) should be happy um i think we're all entitled to have you know feelings of being upset or being sad or frustrated um and sometimes we need to be
0: yeah i think a lot of growth comes from uh, suffering or hardship or difficulties in general and maybe that's something we have to go through in order to be happy at some point in our life
1: i mean i don't know if we have to go through it to be happy and i don't think we always have to go through terrible things to like learn new things but you know it's like if we would just accept anything and be like oh i'm happy maybe there are things that we would accept that are not right to accept Mm -hmm. so it is important to have in societies you know people who fight for certain rights and you know get upset Mm -hmm. about it but there are ways to get upset productively about it Mm -hmm. and ways that are not so productive about it and yeah i think when you're really sad or really upset you tend more to go for solutions that are destructive for yourself and for other people Mm -hmm. while if you're more in a happy place or constructive place you can also fight for things, but in a much more constructive way.
0: Uh, is there any happy person that inspires you?
1: So I don't know. I don't have this. I think is the toughest question. Um, I've never had anybody except Yoda who has been my <laughs> real inspiration. <laughs> um,
0: so his happiness really... <laughs> inspires you as well. Yep. I mean,
1: I'm not sure Yoda is, is really a happy person. I don't know. But I think he's mostly at peace, you know, considering that he knows so much stuff and sees kind of so much of what is going to happen. He could be really freaked out and stressed and disturbed. But he's generally very calm and like, okay, look for the force we need you and then so on. <laughs> and I think, though know, it's quite inspiring. He's so small and tiny and he can do great things. <laughs> Maybe I relate to that. Um But I think it's not really a coincidence that my only kind of true inspiration when it comes to happiness or things generally is is a fake, you know, character because it's not that I don't think anybody is great or inspiring, but I always see behind, I don't think anybody is, you know, so smart or so happy or so perfect that they have it all figured out and they have all the answers. Mm. So I don't look at anybody as like, oh, wow, like, I wish I would be that person or like, Mm -hmm. I want to know how this person does. I think, you know, we all have areas where we're Mm -hmm. more skilled than others. And some people are great at this or this or that. So there's definitely people who inspire me, but they do in some specific areas. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a person that I'm like, wow, this is, you know, like (laughs) my true inspiration or, um, yeah, that's also why I'm on, you know, this kind of interview quests, As well, Mm -hmm. is because um, I don't know anybody that I'm like, wow, this person seems to be like genuinely so happy. And like, how did they do and how did they figure it out? I'm not sure this exists. But through all the interviews, I'm like, okay this person seems, you know, quite happy. And they can still be very honest about the fact that they're not all the time happy or, you know, that maybe they're not so much happier than somebody else. It's like, okay they they have figured out part of it. They're not, you know, totally feeling horrible every day. So I can learn something from them. And I do really believe that, um, how could I explain this? You know, like, kind of like in chemistry or things like that, that if you're, for example, a negative person, most probably you're going to attract negative person or no negative persons. So for me, that's also why I ask this question of, do you know someone, you know, that is super happy or positive? Because I think if you are a positive person, probably, you know, someone else was very positive and maybe this person knows someone else who is super positive and so my ultimate goal i guess with uh the newsletter and the podcast and all the content around this is to just find one day i guess one person or group or groups of person who are like maybe they can blow my mind and they have managed to actually just be perfectly happy all the time and they're just gonna share with us all the tips and tricks <laughs> I don't believe it's going to actually happen and that this perfect person exists, but I do think we can, you know, find people who have really maybe mastered the art of, of being happy and see what we can apply. Maybe some things can't apply or don't resonate yeah. with us, but it's always interesting to see, okay, how did they do it? And um, are they really happy or, you know, are they just mm. like us?
0: <laughs> and I think that's something that I've taken a lot from like, uh, Long interview podcasting that uh, you get to know the people really, like you get to know the person, you know, behind the camera or behind the microphone. Uh, and he's not a superhuman that you know never has hardship and that got it all figured out. Uh, and that's what I find exciting with podcasting in general that you seem to get much closer to the people uh, discussing uh, whatever topic they are discussing mm-hmm. uh, than like a set up interview with a journalist or uh, similar.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that's exactly why, you know, I started those interviews. It was not really to be like, hey, look, this person is so happy and this is what you need to do to be happy. It's also to be like, hey, those persons are generally happy, but, you know, this is also their honest story of when maybe they are not happy or maybe they struggle to get happy or, you know, both having some positive inspiration, but also helping each of us feel like, it's normal to not be happy every day and you shouldn't have to feel like you have to be happy or successful every day. Mm. Uh, but if you just want to improve it a little better, here's one thing that has worked for me and mm. maybe it's going to work for you. Maybe it's not going to work, or maybe it's going to make you think of your own idea that's mm. going to work for you. Um, so yeah, just trying to get as, you know, inspiring and honest and different people to yeah, just share their own story and, and tips and, it's really exciting for me that so many people that I invite just feel like, oh, I have nothing to share. And it's not really interesting what I have to share or that they don't know anything about happiness because they're not researcher or <laughs> specialist mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. But just having those small tips that each of us does without maybe thinking, um, um, I think is, yeah, can be helpful um, to at least, you know, one person. And that's that's all the the purpose <laughs> of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what are what are the most important things in your life right now that, uh, that brings you happiness and that uh, you take strength from
1: I think my freedom and independence is probably what is the most important and valuable to me right now and that brings me I don't know if it in itself brings me happiness but I know that not having it wouldn't bring me the opposite of happiness so I'm pretty happy about it um i start to take it for granted sometimes now but i try to remind myself like this is you know really cool and and i'm really happy that i can you know organize things the way i want um i think being also close to my family this past year ish has been really important and it was also interesting to see how this has evolved when i was 18 all i wanted was to move abroad and it was not necessarily to escape from my parents but I just felt like no I want to explore the world and this was my whole focus and I didn't really need it to be close to them Um, but now it's a lot less about going places and seeing other places and really enjoying very simple moments of being with them Uh, so this has definitely been very important and I think generally having people in my life that I just feel I can have simple moments uh, with this has been yeah super valuable not necessarily anything big just the simplicity of it that i'm like oh mm-hmm. you know this is nice this this is all i need this makes me happy and yeah, yeah. also what's what i what i do also i don't know if you can call this my my job but you know through both kind of the happy project and also what i do um with the schools yeah, even though these past two years practically have been <laughs> difficult to, to organize with COVID, just the fact that I get to also share with this new generation and maybe have some little impact on them, this yeah, this makes me really happy.
0: Thanks for sharing. Uh, do you have any question that you would have liked me to ask you?
1: Well, oh, wow, uh, no, maybe what I want for my birthday, <laughs> but this we know has been a difficult question. Um, yeah, I think that's also interesting that I'm. So maybe it's a good sign that I'm just like, there's no, you know, no material gift I want for my birthday. So no, no, I think you've you've asked, you know, really interesting questions. Um, yeah, it was really enjoyable for me to also share a little bit and and be on the other side of uh, of the interview.
0: If I would uh, guess now, listening, you know, uh, talking to you now for almost two hours, uh, from uh, what you want right now, I think there is a gift with a story.
1: Yes, with the story. Yes, definitely. And uh, yeah, I think this has been, you know, a lot, a lot the case and more and more uh, the case. And it makes sense with the fact that I'm less focused on, like, oh, this is how things look and this is what I should want or this is what I want to achieve in life. Now it's more like, you know, it is nice to have some material things, but it's really a lot more the meaning behind things that have value for me and I think just like everybody else it's the sense of being loved and being appreciated and being a priority in some people's life that is more important than getting I don't know this or that and I think whether we admit it or not usually why do we like gifts or things like that it's because we feel like oh this person has you know they show me that they love me and that I'm a priority and that I don't know they have spent some money for me or spent some time for me um So, I think it's a lot about yeah just feeling feeling loved in general, this is our you know one of our primary needs, whether we kind of want to admit it or not, uh,
0: yeah, I was thinking about one last thing uh, before we uh, say bye um where do you see yourself in, yeah, let's say ten years
1: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now this sounds like a job interview question, <laughs> um. I I don't know. I really don't know. And I'm really okay with the fact that I don't know. I'm trying to take my own advice of not having results and goals. I hope that I will still be free and independent, whatever that means then. Um, I think it's a lot also the meaning that we give to it, being free and independent. I think I will still be doing some activities that I love and work on projects that I love. I'm quite a project person, so I like to to think in terms of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just having around me also the people that that I love uh, it doesn't need to be a hundred people uh, just having yeah a few people around me I think is is enough, and having those simple moments with them, so I think just kind of where I am now, but <laughs> ten years <laughs> later and wiser uh, is a pretty good, pretty good option.
0: Sounds like a good option <laughs> yeah I mean it also got me thinking uh, I know I said we, we should uh, you know this was the final question but I have one more for you um, a bonus. why do you think well yeah a <laughs> bonus question uh, why do you think it is that people that have you know generated all the money they can ever need in their life still continue to work uh, at least I have thought about this a bit you know many of them say that they they love their work so much that they don't want to stop and at least for me that seems like something to pursue <laughs> or like that you find so much meaning in what you do that you don't just want to lay on the beach <laughs> i don't know how yeah
1: you... <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you think like people you know like elon musk or jeff bezos or, or people like this mm, for me I, I it depends sort of what is the situation but i think people like elon musk i don't think he ever worked for the money i think he was always a person that had a sense of maybe I am so smart and I need to contribute and change this world to a level that nobody has seen before. And we do need some people that have such huge ego.
0: And he does seem to suffer a lot as well.
1: Exactly. And that's, that's where I want to go to is that I'm not sure his drive comes from a good place. And as much as I think, you know, sometimes the world needs people like him who just, you know, sacrifice their life for a cause that they believe in. Um, And, you know, it it creates for great uh, evolutions. And, you know, he pays for a lot of research, things like that, that makes things go faster. But I'm not sure he's having such a great life. And I don't think he was ever motivated by money. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he could be super poor or he can be super rich. He would go and go and go and go because I don't know him (laughs) so well or his story so well. Maybe he has a deep need for, you know, being recognized and just, you know, also being loved and being recognized as smart and leaving a contribution that will last for centuries. Um, But I definitely don't think it comes from a place of happiness and just being like enjoyment. Um, As much as I do believe, he is very excited about the projects he works on and he believes it's necessary for our society I don't think, you know, he slept in his office or, you know, lives the life he does because he's like, oh, I love this so much and I enjoy this so much. I think it comes very much from a place of sacrifice because he believes in his cause so much. And for me, I believe you can also accomplish great things without having to totally burn out or sacrifice yourself especially in his case when he has a family um maybe he thinks he's being a great example for his kids and maybe he is but i also think kids need someone who is there Mm. and who loves them and not just someone who is you know gonna change the world Mm. so i think it's also his responsibility to think well maybe you're gonna bring the next generation to march and this is gonna i don't know save our species but what are you doing to just your own little generation that you created yeah. with your kids?
0: Your How are they going to influence. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And, you know, maybe they're going to be so much lacking love that they're going to become like the next Elon Musk and, you know, sacrifice their own life for the next big thing. And maybe we need this as a society. But uh, I do think it's not an enjoyable place to be.
0: Yeah. But I was also thinking more of the, you know, the uh, teacher that went in pension and that comes back to teach because she loves it so much or he loves it so much uh so even coming from that place that you don't want to quit working because it gives you you feel like you give back so much to society but maybe it also gives back a lot to you
1: yeah for sure but then i think in the case of for example teachers probably they you know actually love what they did and they probably had you know a balance in their life either then or now when they do it again that is not just a sacrifice yeah that uh, they don't just do it as like the next generation of students need me, and so I need to teach until, you know, I drop dead. (laughs) Then they're like, wow, I love doing this. I enjoy this. So instead of, I don't know, staying home, watching TV and being bored, I'm going to do what I love. And this comes from a very different place Mm -hmm. than, you know, I don't know, we're all going to die, and I don't know, people don't love me enough, or they need to see I'm the smartest Mm -hmm. person on earth. Uh,
0: I agree for sure. And I also think that today's society kind of lacked that more and more. Uh, Like, people go into pension and, then we don't hear from them you know they're they're on their little in their little bubble maybe they are enjoying but they could also be just you know living out their life instead of maybe doing what they love and maybe that was their work or and then we don't let them be flexible and come back maybe you know 20 percent and just
1: yeah i think it's a lot because you know you kind of give so many hours and sacrifices of your life in the deal is you know you work that many hours and you know you're not with your family and you don't do everything you want and when you turn, you know, depending on the country, 60, 62, 65, I don't know, 67, then you can retire and you get to just be paid to do nothing and enjoy life and do whatever you want. And you can, you know, be active as a volunteer. You can do what you want. Nobody cares. And I think it's really new in our generation that it's like, no, it's not how it works. We're not going to do like, I don't know, 40 <laughs> years of something that is feels like slavery for then being like, okay, now I can do whatever I want. Mm. It's pretty new that we're like, I want to do something I like. I want to do something that feels feels me. Yeah. And some people just decide that their work is just going to be their work, which means they're of making money, and maybe they're just going to have you know work from nine to five that pays you know pretty low. But then outside of nine to five, they can do anything they want, and they consider mm. this job as you know their like uh, kind of like their subvention for the rest of the time. They do whatever they want. Mm. Some other people go all in on their work, work 10 hours a day and think, well, then I make a lot of money so I can go on those great vacations and enjoy life the way I want. Mm. But I think less and less people think this is the format that they want to do and just think, you know, I sacrifice so much, sacrifice so much. And then that's why you need to go on, you know, special holidays because your Mm. brain is just like, I can't do this anymore. I need a break. I need a break. But if you're, you know, more like, enjoying life regularly you don't need to go and you know like retire and be like oh my god i'm never doing anything ever because then you're like well i have earned it you know i gave it so much now i don't want to work but if you're like no know i've worked a little bit or i don't know i do things that i like then maybe you want to continue a little bit
0: yeah now because i was also thinking about how you know many elderly are very old in today's society and especially in countries like sweden and cities like Stockholm mm-hmm. uh, and How it used to be that they took care of our grandchildren and they were there and we were close and you know, they always, they always had a purpose, even when they went in pension. And I think this is lacking more and more. And I don't say that work has to be that purpose, but maybe we should find as population grows older and older, find more ways of having purpose also in the end of life.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, I think I understand where you want to go. I think the challenge here is to not make it. You know, kind of like that you need to be productive until you're 100 Mm. or until you're dead. (laughs) It's like, you know, maybe you need to have a time. Like, now my parents, when they are retired, they are saying that they are much, more slow at doing things, that, you know, things just take more time. They're not as efficient. They don't want to be as efficient. Mm. They just have a slower life. So I think it's pretty normal that when you grow older, you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to be a machine that is used for a purpose. But I do think it would be good to give them more of a meaning and just have them you know like maybe share their story um because mm-hmm. they have so much you know wisdom from seeing how the world evolves things like that or not necessarily yeah making them work but that they don't just have to you know sit in front of their tv and wait for someone to you know make them take their shower
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i, I fully agree I, I think it's it's too bad that our society has come to You know, valuing so much people that are productive, but not maybe valuing people that have done their part and you know, wants. Yeah, uh, (laughs) just chill. (laughs) Yeah, or or you know, to to explore their own interests and not for anyone else.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's
0: true. Oh, uh, I guess it's me who says thank you very much for uh, (laughs) uh, attending this uh, interview, Roland, and uh, I was happy to uh, hear about your purpose. and meaning in what you do and also your uh, uh your purpose with this happy project uh, and i look forward to hearing more of your interviews uh, with uh, <laughs> more interesting people uh, and uh, yeah thanks for giving me this opportunity
1: <laughs> yeah thank you it was it was great to be on the other side then you know i think i talk quite a lot through some spontaneous shares on, on the newsletter either the articles that i share or some personal stories but uh no, it, it went really long this uh, this interview, but hopefully can still be you know interesting and, and entertaining for the the ones we're gonna listen. So no matter what, it was really enjoyable to to do. So thank you as well for you know doing this with me and
0: and taking the time. Yes, thank you. <laughs>